Welcome back, friends. Last guy here, and it's time for us to have basically a podcast with Gordon from A Shell in the Pit. Hello. And uh, real quick, just in case you don't know who he is, going to toot your horn a little bit. Um, I don't. I don't think it was your first game. Uh, Rogue Legacy, though, for me is the first game that I heard your music in. It was basically my first game. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, you do music and sound effects, which I did not know about the sound effects part. But you do music and sound effects, and the music can be found in Rogue Legacy. You also do the music for uh, Oklos, which I really love a lot. Um, okay. Viking Squad, you did music for that one. You did sound effects for A Night in the Woods. And the newest game you've done the music for, and I believe also sound effects, is Full Metal Furies. But there's a lot of other uh, games as well you've done sound effects for, and music. Yeah, so basically I do music, and I, I started a sound design company, and... Um, or a sound design and composition company um, that was originally just me, but now it's five people. Um, I'm still the only one doing music, but we've got three sound designers and uh, and an audio programmer now as well. So, so yeah, Night in the Woods, I actually barely did anything on that other than, mm. you know, the business stuff. And then M, uh, M. Halberstadt, who I think you're going to talk to, in future, she did yeah. all the. She did. She was like the audio lead, basically. Okay. For that project, yeah. Yeah, definitely want to get hold of in the future. Um, so basically, podcast is just introducing our listeners to different people, uh, just different walks, cr- different kinds of creators. So they get just a lot of interesting things to learn about, and maybe they might be interested in this form as well. Hmm. And what I'm in- what I'm curious about is you. So for the majority, the music is by you or. Do the other members contribute in some ways, like as you gain them? My job is basically music and business junk, and then some sound effects on the side. So I do all the music, um, and then uh, and then I kind of not on purpose distance myself from, from sound effects because I still really like it, but uh, I just don't have time mm. to do that anymore. And also, we have three sound designers, so there's <laughs> <laughs> not much need for me. So is sound designer, is that the name for people who do sound effects then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause yeah, I don't know. I don't know a lot. Okay. So the rogue legacy, that was basically your first one. And it's, it's of course been a couple of years. Now that game yeah. is, is near to my heart. Cause it was around the beginning of the channel. We also played rogue legacy and something I like, the thing about music is there's two first impressions. There's visual. And then there's, what's the word? Auditorial. Like the first thing you hear, like, and music-wise, Rogue Legacy, you get that song right at the start mm-hmm. uh, with the black and white, and it's really good. And then you get the theme song, which I think is also excellent as heck. Yeah, that one's not by me. So there were actually Ooh. two There were two composers on Rogue Legacy. Um, the other one was a pal, pal of mine. Well, we're pals now. We weren't pals when we worked together, mm-hmm. but we're now we're, we're pretty tight. Uh, as, uh, he goes by TEDx. And so he did half the soundtrack of Rogue Legacy. So what happened was... A friend of mine at school, I was I was still in Vancouver Film School, and uh, my friend Alessio Molina, who's in, uh, he's back in Europe now, he just finished working on Hellblade, uh, and he got hired to do the sound effects on Rogue Legacy, and then recommended me for the music, and I did an audition for the music, and I and I got the gig. But then Alessio got a job at EA in Vancouver here. And since he was an Italian citizen, he couldn't he couldn't really do both. EA makes you sign a non compete, um, but he had to take the EA gig to kind of stay in Canada 
for a while. So then I had to take over the sound effects. And since I was so new, I couldn't really handle sound effects and music on one game, which is kind of laughable to me now. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, so we brought on Judson to help out with uh, the rest of the soundtrack because he'd worked with the cellar door guys before. Okay. Well, one that you definitely did was the Oklos theme, right? Oh, yeah. 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 yeah that is, I think it's my favorite. Uh, oh, great. When I, I started the game because we got a copy of it to, to do a recommendation video on. I, I started up, I'm like, this looks interesting. And then the music kicks in. I'm like, okay, this sounds cool. And I just really like the music. And then just playing the game and the different songs going in. Like, this is, I, it's my favorite one, I think, is Oklo soundtrack. It's just. Yeah, that one's pretty dear to my heart. Oh, okay, that's good. Because yeah. it just amps me, it just amps up just you're running a mob around doing everything. And it just, mm -hmm. if it just, there's something about it that's very high energy and just you're doing exactly the right thing with that music. Yeah, that was the goal. And uh, one thing about the Oklos music, I don't think a lot of people actually notice is that it's pretty dynamic. Um, so the songs don't just play front to back in the game. They have all these layers that uh, come in depending on how well you're doing in the game. So it's driven by, you know, you've got your mob meter, right? Yeah. So for how big your mob is. So when, you're, when your mob is big and awesome, that's when you're getting like the best music, basically. And, and up until that point, it's sort of all stripped down. And oh. just a, just a few instruments. Nice, that's that's clever. I like that. Yeah, it's called it's called dynamic music. It's really common in in uh, game audio. Hmm. Every probably every AAA game is doing it. They just do it so well you don't necessarily notice. Hmm. Um, and and it's done in you know a myriad of different ways. Uh, so you can add layers, which would be called horizontal stacking. You can stack the layers. So like at the bottom. I'm waving my hands. It's podcast, but <laughs> so the the bottom layer might be say it might just be only a percussion loop, and then uh, then your character goes around the corner. And maybe there's some danger happening, so we'll start playing start playing like some violins or something over top of that. And so that's adding instruments. You can do that vertically, basically. Well, there's these long lines, so you stack them up. Um, but then there are also you can do uh, changes like linearly in a time frame so you can sort of switch the part of music that that is playing and you'll hear this a lot in like stealth games where suddenly the guards can hear you you know so we'll go from just an ambient drone which is one piece of music and then bam you've alerted the guards so the music has to change so that's actually you're swapping out the whole part of music that's playing uh from a from a, like a front to back a timeline uh, perspective. So, so like, um, like Metal Gear Solid, when the music just really kicks up, when the guards notice you and stuff like that. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, atmosphere, like I feel, music is amazing for atmosphere. Really, it can really drive an emotional point very well. Yep. I was wondering when, when you're when you know that you have to do something like like a character's died or something's just supposed to be way more dramatic. Like, mm -hmm. just are there just certain like instruments or tones that just lend really well to that or a lot of the time it's more what key we'll be working in hmm. so the most basic version would be that major keys are for happy stuff and minor keys are for sad stuff huh. and then depending on the instrumentation it's it's not nearly as much about the instrument itself as to how the instrument is played for getting a, a particular emotion out of it so you know, if you're playing a violin really hard and fast, it's not going to sound sad. 
but if you play it long and slow with like with a nice nice vibrato or tremolo going on it's going to feel a lot sadder um in a minor key so minor my my like dumb rule that i follow because i'm not a classically trained musician i've just kind of figured it out um on my own is that stick to minor keys you want something sad or negative and stick to major keys if you want something happy. And then playing with the dynamic on your instruments within those keys is what uh, gives it a lot more power. Oh, nice. Now, um, question I want to ask is, uh, since you just said you kind of like self-taught a lot of st stuff going on, I was wondering, uh, like, what are influences or musically just, or just maybe music you grow up with or just what has influenced how you've come to where you are now, I suppose, is the best way to put it. I mean, I think like most kids, I loved music. I listened to tons of it. Um, I actually didn't listen to game music, which I think has set me apart for better or worse, is that uh, I don't know any game composers, really. Or I didn't grow up listening to game music at all. I listened to rock and roll and and Radiohead, and that that was that was my jam. Um, and it wasn't until and I didn't I didn't really recognize the intricacies of of game music and discover the interest of it until I was an adult, basically, and find out what all the cool stuff was. And that man, these composers were composing on the chip of the hardware, basically that kind of stuff. That's like that makes it really interesting. I didn't discover that. So I didn't grow up with that. So that's not really like in my bones, you know, what, okay. what is, what is in my bones is yeah. Indie rock, experimental, uh, rock and roll music, um, a lot of blues and, uh, yeah, just the Canadian indie stuff <laughs> that I've, I've been a big fan of. And, uh, and I listen to a lot of Mo Mongolian folk music. Oh, <laughs> so it's kind of, all over the place. Yeah, you can see my my Morin Coor back here. That's my oh, that's pride, what that's called. Oh, okay, my, my pride and joy. <laughs> yeah, because I was wondering about um, like Oklahoma's music sounds very different from a, a lot of things. And yeah. is that is that influence on Oklahoma, or is that more a different region? Because I don't really because it sounds so unique to me. The music that Oklahoma had. Yeah, it could be. Um, I, I, I attribute my, whenever people say my music sounds unique, I kind of attribute to that, that to the fact that I, I am not a good musician necessarily <laughs> and that I can't read music. I never learned theory very well. I tried. Oh. I definitely tried. I took, like, I took piano lessons for nine years as a kid and I sucked. Dang. I was, I was terrible. Um, I got, I got a lot better at guitar, but that was all self-taught, but I never, I'm, I don't no theory very well i i obviously have gleaned a lot of theory but i can't read music um not or at, at anything faster than a glacial pace like reading music for me is literally counting the lines on the staff and being like okay that's a d <laughs> <laughs> um because it's really not necessary anymore um hmm. unless you want to get into orchestrating large things with symphonies and and you want to do triple a games where you will be conducting big things like that but uh that's that's not my interest um I'll, I'll leave that for other folks who are much better at it 
like example of that would be I guess like Cuphead because that used a lot of people and like yeah so giant so bands, he's yeah. yeah he's classically trained I think or he's a jazz musician um just uh yeah just a lot smarter at a technical level he can put together an ensemble he can tell them what to do he can get the sheet music orchestrated um I've had sheet music orchestrated but I have to pay someone to do it I have to mm. send someone the MIDI I have to send someone the music and the MIDI and uh, I usually go with a, a guy in town here Riley Riley Koenig who's another composer really good and much more classically oriented than me so I, I'll pay Riley to make me the sheet music so that a player can play it um which we did for the first time on Wander Song, uh, which is a game we're working on right now. Huh. Um, so it can be done. It's just more expensive for me because I can't DIY. <laughs> uh, I am. I, I was going to ask um, the process of just making the music. Like, do they give you concept art? Did they give you a, an early build of the game? Did they just tell you this is what we want? Or yeah, how does that work out? For both music and sound effects, we want to be able to get our fingers into the game as soon as possible um, to see how things are developing. Um, more so with sound effects because it is so much more dynamic. Um, we like to be working on it as early as we can. So we're, not only are we getting a build, but we're actually in we're in the Git repository um, making changes in Unity, uh, putting putting sounds in the game. Um, as early as we can. Oh. Um, but but we'll even start sometimes before there's a Unity project. I'm working on another game right now that's still that early that everything's still in the kind of discussion phase. So we'll be putting, I'm going to be putting a tone track together where I'm just like, I think this is how the game should sound. What do we think? And this is before there are even any, any a line of code has been written. Wow. So that's that's just looking at artwork and and we're throwing concepts back and forth and that kind of thing. But it's different for every game. Some games I've been asked to do, we've been asked to do the sound effects and music for like two months before launch or, or less. <laughs> so. Like, um, has like, like for example, like with with Frozen, like Let It Go affected that movie greatly. Has ever has music ever affected like something they wanted to add to the game? Because like this sounds really cool. Oh, they yeah, want to make time. something for it. Oh, okay. Uh, with with Wander Song, it's Greg has Greg's been like uh, Greg Labanoff. Uh, he runs Dumb and Fat Games. They did uh, Coin Crypt and Wander Song's their next title. It's way out. It's out in the open. Um, and it's by far the most musical game we've ever done. And Greg is very quick to add things based on how a song goes. How the music goes and he'll listen. There's really only three of us working on it. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just Greg M and I we are the only ones uh, on it for almost full time. And Greg will, yeah, he'll add anything. He's, uh, he's very open to making changes to the game based on the sound. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I don't want to ask some uh, sound effects stuff. Like, I'm just curious what, when you did work on sound effects, mm -hmm. was there any like, just out of as a story, like any like really interesting ones or really difficult ones that took a while to figure out, or there are a lot that are very difficult. Um, the most difficult ones was that we were working on a space game and we eventually had to quit. Not it wasn't a sci-fi game; it was it's a space science game, and uh, where there's just no frame of reference for two planets colliding into one another. <laughs> you know, so yeah. event it, like we we were had a really hard time making sounds that everyone was happy with for that Ooh. as far as interesting things we've had a lot of fun recording sessions um 
spent time in the Amazon jungle recording wildlife and dangling microphones into anthills and stuff like that. That was pretty fun. And uh, we get to break things. We get to go to the fair. I got to send uh, my team to the to the to the the uh, theme park in Vancouver here to just go record stuff. We got to go do we got to go go karting <laughs> for a day <laughs> to get sounds for Parkitect. So yeah, it's a fun job. It's a very fun job. Nice. Just curious aside, like what is the what is the Amazon like? Amazon is amazing. Uh, I went to Peru for, I work on a YouTube channel called Smarter Every Day, oh. and uh, we do all the music and sound effects. Not We don't do so much sound effects for that. Oh, no, yeah, we do. We do tons. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> they've got they've got one of those slow motion cameras, the, the Phantom. So we get to do all the slow motion sound design for that channel. Ooh. And uh, yeah, Destin was going to Peru and invited me i'd never met him in person for but before but we'd been working together for years this was a long time ago now this was like 2012 probably but uh yeah he invited me out to peru so we went to peru together and then got to got to work it was a blast nice amazon has a lot of bugs <laughs> the 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 density of life is mind mind blowing it's completely mind blowing i i discovered a species of spider wow that's how dense it is. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a long time since biology, but I remember that like there's just it's like half of it's all there. There are the sea, there like all the life is out there. Yeah, and they're still finding the stuff, and that's why they don't want so much cutting down and everything. Yeah, but dang, that's that's really cool. You got to go out there. Yeah, it was really great. Love to go back. <laughs> uh, another question is uh, the trademark, the, the watermelon picture. Is that for a sound effect? That's a faking a sound effect. That yeah. was for a photo shoot. <laughs> okay, because I'm like, but we put mics in there and I wore headphones uh, to make it look like we're doing something, but we weren't. That was for, that was actually for a Power Up Audios photo shoot. So yeah. I was back before I started a show in the pit, um, or before it took off. I was doing a lot of work with Power Up. Um, they've done the sound for tons of great games: uh, Crypt of the Necker Dancer, Darkest Ooh. Dungeon. Um, they did Celeste, so they've done like lots of good stuff. They're in town here. They're just very good friends. Nice. Those are good games as well. Yeah. I was wondering, it's like, it's a sound effect. You just really hate watermelons. Just that watermelon <laughs> took it. <laughs> I just said, like, we were trying to decide on what everyone's picture should be. And I was like, I want to smash something. <laughs> and, hey, uh, good old Gallagher. Yeah. So I am noticing a lot of instruments in the background. You yep. you named one which I already forgot. Unfortunately, it's a, he says Mongolian instrument. It's, it's a Mongolian. It's called a Morinkur. Morinkur uh, or Morinhur. The, yeah. the anglicized translation is a horsehead fiddle, <laughs> and so it's this kind of square box with two strings coming off of it, and uh, you play it like a cello, sort of. You kind of hold it between your knees. Nice. And it's uh, got really good sound. Um, the cool thing about it is you don't actually push the strings down to the fretboard. You push them sideways with your fingernails and the pads of your fingers. Oh. So your first and second fingers, you use your fingernails and you push the strings sideways, just very lightly. And then uh, your third and fourth, your ring and your pinky finger, you push sideways with the pads of your fingers. Super cool. That is interesting. Yeah, it's yeah, I totally love it. different. Um, I ordered it and uh, I, I, the company I ordered it from is in Mongolia. And I asked, I asked them if, you know, if they'd shipped any more to Vancouver, maybe I could find someone to, to play with. 
and uh, they were like, uh, "We've <laughs> we've never shipped one to Canada." <laughs> <laughs> so like, so, no, you're the only one so on the continent. There go my dreams of the Morincourt <laughs> Club of Vancouver. Oh jeez, just you just start up a class. It's like, kids, learn mm-hmm. the Morincourt. First, you have to order one from Mongolia. <laughs> First, make it the instrument, your dream instrument for five years so you can save up to order one and then come join my class. There you go. And I know, uh, so you have traveled quite a bit because I remember I was reading your bio mm-hmm. and you you were in uh, South Korea, I yeah. believe. And then you came uh, to Canada and then that you just, that's when you started A Shell in the Pit. Yeah, well, I actually started A Shell in the Pit in South Korea. It, originally, it was never supposed to be a... It was never supposed to be an audio company. It was supposed to be just my solo music indie guy label that had nothing to do with video games. It was supposed to be just me doing albums. Um, but then it just sort of coalesced into this. I just started chasing where when things went well, I would go in that direction. So, so here I am now. Yeah. So, yeah, I lived in South Korea for a year and a half. Um, my, my now wife and I, we moved there from, we used to live in Victoria, BC, and then we moved to South Korea cause we wanted to travel, but we didn't have money. So wow. we went and worked, um, worked, we went and taught English, that old thing. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Cause I have a bunch of buddies who did, who did the same thing. They, mm-hmm. they taught English in, in South Korea for a while and then they came back. Yeah. I, I totally would have stayed there. I loved South Korea so much. It was nice. such a great country. Um, but my wife wanted to go to film school, so we came back and she went to film school and now she's a big shot big shot FX makeup artist. Oh nice. Pretty, pretty exciting trajectory. Yeah. Uh, you also attended, didn't you? Or like because I remember reading yeah. something about a scholarship that you won or Yeah, I went to the I did the sound design program. So she came back and she went she joined the makeup effects program. She'd saved a lot more money in Korea than I had because I was just like drinking way more. <laughs> <laughs> And she was she was like working as soon as she decided she wanted to do this program, she just started working a lot and um, and uh, saving a lot of money. And so she came back and started the effects makeup program. And then I came back and uh, I tried starting a stupid company that was not music or anything. It was just like a dumb idea I had that I thought might work. So I started it, started working on it and uh, it failed. Uh, but while I was working on that, my wife said they're having a scholarship contest for the sound design program. That's like an all in, like if you win, they pay, they pay the whole tuition, which was like 30 grand or something. It was a lot of money because I would have loved to go, but there was no way I was ever going to be able to afford that at the time. And, uh, so I basically made it my full-time job to win that scholarship. And then I did. So I got to go to school. It was cool. Well, yeah, good job on that. Just wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Random aside again. Uh, comparing because I have I do have Canadian listeners and viewers. Uh, comparing yeah. uh, South Koreans' uh, drinks to uh, Canada's drinks. Yeah. Just uh, which which one's better? Uh, Korea's drinks are more limited, but they're sure fun. <laughs> like and the the hangovers in Korea are terrible. Ooh. They're really, really bad. Soju is uh, a brutal drink in its insidiousness. <laughs> it's not a high alcohol level, but it's very easy to drink. And uh, they put them, they they pour it into their beer there. So it's kind of like a weak vodka huh. drink, potato liquor. I think it's potato. And um, and they'll pour it into their beer and call it a somek. Mechju is beer and soju is soju. 
And uh, it'll just like turbocharge your beer. And the first time I did that, I puked. <laughs> oh, dear. So the, the beer is pretty bad. The beers are all kind of the same. There were we were sometimes you find like these little cool sort of corner stores that just have a whole bunch of different beers and then you can just sit in there and drink those. Nice. Um, I've chilled out since my Korea days, by the way. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. But it was very fun. Um, and they have a really good uh, there's makgeolli, which is uh, their rice wine. That's really fun, and it's always. Oh, it's frequently served in these sort of very traditional houses or sort of makgeolli bars where you'll sit on the floor and they have thatched roofs and everything's wood. Wow. Really, really cool atmosphere in those places. Nice. I, I kind of want to ask about the, the car because you just got it. Mm. And <laughs> <laughs> it was fun seeing your Twitter adventure with the car. I can't remember the name of the car right now. It's a, um... it's a 1988 Nissan Pulsar. Got it right. And it's... My baby. You you put in a lot of effort to get that, and I mean not really. <laughs> okay, okay, because it sounded like the guy you were you were trying to get it from. He was like, he's not sure. You you're really liking it, and he's like, ah, oh, now I don't know. He wasn't as eager to sell as I was to buy. Hmm. I wanted that car so bad because I've been trying to sell. I'd been selling my grandma's car for her for the past five months, and I learned how great it was to have a car because we recently moved kind of out to the suburbs, and I'm sort of sort of landlocked. In this suburb, while my wife is at work all day with her with her little Hyundai, um, <laughs> and if I want to go grocery shopping, it's like an hour to get to the grocery store. Ooh. So, well, thirty five minutes each way. But uh, I just learned how convenient it was to have a vehicle. I still started really wanting one, and mm -hmm. I love like I love eighties design a lot. And this Pulsar came on Craigslist months ago, and I was just eyeing it for months, and nobody else wants it. Because it's just my, I'm the only weirdo that like just is obsessed with this car. And uh, yeah, I got it. The cheapest car I've ever owned and it's by far my favorite. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I got a 20 year old uh, ES700 uh, Lexus. Oh, cool. And okay. yeah, it's, it's nice. like the old cars, they just last, it feels like. Lexus is the one of the most reliable brands. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's second to Toyota. So it's nice. Mm -hmm. back to uh, back to music uh the newest one is full metal furies yeah that's the latest and latest i and will greatest. <laughs> i will say my favorite is elise like because i was last night i was listening to all the all the soundtrack. i was listening to rogue legacy uh Oklo's, uh viking squad because i own those games and then i listened to full mm -hmm. metal furies and elise is my favorite one because yeah. you can hear some of the Oklo's influence on there and then it just becomes its own thing it's just really good yeah, for I, there was some crossover. I was working on Oklos and Full Metal Furies at the same time for at least Ooh. a little while because they were both really long. Both those games were in development forever. Hmm. Uh, Oklos was like five years, and I think Full Metal Furies was four years. Because that's that's the Rogue Legacy developer's newest game, right? And this, yes. they haven't put out a game since Rogue Legacy, which I think was 2012. So, uh, yeah. Or 2013, 2012, yeah, 2013. I yeah, I believe it was 2013, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so they've been working on that basically ever since. Um, so there was some overlap, which was really funny because they're both Greek kind of inspired games. Hmm. So I had to figure out a way to differentiate them, uh, which I think I did all right. It's funny because uh, the Oculus theme is Tartarus, but uh, with a different kind of style to it, mm -hmm. which is interesting. But I I, I feel like, um, yeah, Oculus just has a very distinct style to it, and then... It feels like when it comes to Full Metal Furies, it's some of the Oculus, 
but also kind of some of like Viking Squall. Like it's just a whole different beast in its own. Yeah, Oklos, we wanted to sound like the the choice for Oklos was traditional Greek instruments plus chiptune, basically. Mm-hmm. And Full Metal Furies, I wanted to be basically like a 70s rock opera, with, but with chiptune as well. And then very subtle Greeky things thrown in. Like I wasn't leaning on the Greek stuff nearly as hard as uh, with with as we were with Oklos, so not as much bazooki and mandolin and stuff. But yeah, I mean, there's everything's going to sound a little bit like everything else because it's all by me, and uh, and I make no I make no attempt to hide that. I like everything to sound a bit like me, so that people know it's me. <laughs> <laughs> It it does sound awesome. Like I'm I'm a fan. I really like it. Um, Great. like Rogue Legacy. Like I said, that came around the start of our, our my YouTube channel, our YouTube channel, and and we played that a lot. And just the music just was just really good. And then Oculus comes around like one or two years later, and I for, and I I just forgot, kind of. But around the time when Oculus came out, you also you did an offer for uh, content creators because content creators are supporting indies and everything. Like yeah. you guys can. Uh, run run uh, a shell in the pits music as long as you credit and everything. You don't say it's your music and things like that. So, and then like, oh, hey, okay, yeah, I remember this. I remember this guy. I remember Oak Legacy. I remember this guy. And then I hear Oakless, like, oh, this is amazing. I was like, oh, it's him again. Oh, okay. Great. I'm glad that worked. I didn't actually get much feedback on that. Oh. That little uh, content creator package I put out. A lot oh, of people. Good. A lot of people took it, but I never heard from anyone. <laughs> yeah, that's true. This is, the, I didn't... this is the first I've heard from an actual con- content creator on it out of the, you know, true. several, several I... dozen that, that downloaded it. But yeah, I never gave feedback. My bad. Uh, it's been like, we, we've been using it for years. Like, Good. um, cool. we'll, we'll credit it's your music, but we use it for like lists and things like that. Or if we just need background music for something. Yeah. Maybe like, we'll do another one then. It's mostly Oklos, like, cause I just really like Oklos, I guess. Great. But um, this is something I'm wondering about is how much of, like, is there a real big concern for, uh, music theft? Like, with like artists, art theft is a very big problem, but I don't know about music is, there's is that a, a big problem or? There's, it's, it's, it's tough to control your IP. Basically, it's not, we're not losing money necessarily with music theft, but you want to be able to hang, you want to be able to control how your music is being dispersed. So one of our main problems is YouTube channels just stealing it and uploading it hmm. and then putting ads on it. So I just I don't like people making money off of my music hmm. um, if they're not paying me. You know, this is, a, <laughs> yeah. this is how I pay the rent and this is a business that I run. So. So, yeah, I DMCA that shit <laughs> if I if if I have to. There are some there are some that I'm kind of OK with. If there's no ads and I haven't put the music up myself, then whatever. I might let it slide. But. There's one recently where, you know, dude has a Patreon page and everything. So he's asking people to give him money for things not that he didn't do anything. All he did was upload videos or upload music that he didn't write. So so that kind of stuff irks me. Yeah, that's not so great there at all. Yeah. Oof. And uh, the streaming thing is a bit tricky uh, because technically it is people making money off of our music a lot of the time without paying paying us for it or else featuring, you know, playing games that feature our music. But it is the the trade-off is the publicity um we really rely on streamers now to to get the name get our games out there a lot of the time so and uh, and there's no means of 
tracking it. There's no means of uh, getting pay payment for it yet. Like in the in the old days, in in the you know when it was all just TV, basically uh, everyone would be paying a little bit for every time a song is used. Um, every time a song was broadcast on TV, the the composer gets paid for that um, uh, via royalties, and that's kind of being thrown out the window. So it's kind of it's all it's the wild west right now as far as uh, rights are concerned with streaming and uh, YouTube channels, let's plays, that kind of thing. And and it's just not worth, it's definitely not worth the effort and the anger that it would cause to go after people for it. Um, so, and it's, yeah, I just don't devote much energy to it at all. I'd rather mm. just be making new music. Yeah, there's, there's slowly growing more crackdown on it. I think it's more, they give more developers the power. Well, mm -hmm. with YouTube, they give music uh, some power as well. But uh, with Twitch, developers are getting a little bit more power because recently they put in a rule that uh, developers can DMCA something on the spot, especially when it comes to like embargoes, if anyone's breaking that. Yeah, so, the embargoes, the embargo thing is good. I'm glad that one has come up. Um, because, yeah, especially for narrative games, it can really hurt sales. Mm. If, 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 all, if it's just all spoiled... Um, People people will say I don't want to buy that game. Then I guess, you know, yeah, because because a narrative a narrative game like the story points are the carrot to keep going. You know, so it's it's almost as if instead of a trailer for a movie, they just played the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Like I always have that debate with myself because uh, I I do LPs. Like mm -hmm. we do we do recommendations. We do LPs. We do this podcast. We do, we do a variety of things. And yeah. I did a night in the woods, and that mm -hmm. was—it's an amazing game. I don't know if you ever played it. I, but... I yeah, well, yeah, I played it before it was done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Test, I was—I was a tester three weeks before it launched, and nice. And it was—it was hairy actually, but <laughs> it, it's just such a compelling story and game. And I—I mm -hmm. I do wonder if I watched someone else play it, would I have bought it? I have no. It—it's an amazing game to me. Like it's really—it's one of my games games of the year. Yeah, that was what that one was. Me too. And yeah, that is always the question with narrative games is uh, will people buy it or will they not because you're playing it? And it's, it's kind of impossible to, to get it's it's impossible to get the metrics, right? So we can't prove it, but but I think developers should have that control whether it's provable or not. Yeah. If if a developer really doesn't want the game to be yeah, uh, cuz I think it's more the big triple A's could have done it already. I think now it's the indies can also DMCA with more mm -hmm. power at least on Twitch. Mm -hmm. which helps them out mm -hmm. and it, it is the bit because i know some games like oh was it the red string club which is a game that came out recently by uh the people who made gods will be watching and it's mm -hmm. an incredible story and it had to be word of mouth to get a lot more drive on that one because it's i don't know something about night in the woods got a lot of press but that one did not as good as much and it took more word of mouth and it took people actually watching other people play it so it, it's always been it's always a gray area, I suppose. It's yeah, it's up to the developer to gauge um, the direction of how things are going. Like Night in the Woods doesn't care about that kind of stuff, really. They they embrace their fan base, and they didn't need to worry about it. Like they were Night in the Woods was going to sell well, no matter what, right? Whereas other other games, it's the decision of the developer, and they'll let let them hurt or hinder themselves or help themselves. I think. As they see fit, I know. I know it was a big. It was a point of contention for that dragon cancer. Oh um, right, because a lot of people were afraid to play it, so they opted for 
that step of sep- separation um, of watching someone play it rather than playing it themselves and having a goofy streamer kind of crack jokes over it <laughs> makes it less <laughs> makes it less sad uh, uh, or just just having, you know, subscriber chimes coming in from time to time uh kind of just like really breaks up the pace but from the developer perspective it also really really um includes the impact that the game was supposed to have so i think i think they lost sales um over it but Uh, i think a lot of their games don't i i I remember the developers of that dragon cancer did say they feel it did uh, um negatively impact them yeah. And for, it's such a serious game. Like I'm, I'm scared of playing it and watching it. Like that's that's a tough mm-hmm. one, right? That's a tough sell. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they said it definitely was negatively impacted in their opinion. And yeah, it's uh for me, it's respecting the game and in, in every way, in music and sound. So mm-hmm. I try not to obstruct the game or even the sound. And yeah, like something as as narrative wise or atmospheric getting it broken up by new subscriber or something like that would really, really be unfortunate as heck. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, but people are going to do what they're going to do as well. Uh, I often, I'm pretty hands off and I, I just don't care that much a lot of the time. Um, but I think the people that do care should be allowed to care and have control. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, a question about, uh, just other composers or other, do you, have you ever listened to other game soundtracks or, Oh yeah. Yep. Uh, so then, um, you must have heard Cuphead's. I would, I would assume. I haven't listened to it back to back yet. I haven't played mm. the game yet. I played barely any games in 2017. It's just super busy. <laughs> so I haven't, I haven't listened to it yet. I know it's good. Um, because I, I know Sam Justice, who was on the audio, who did the sound effects, and I know they would never work with anyone that wasn't amazing. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, who did I listen to? The Oxen Free, which is 2016, but that's probably my most listened to album last oh. year. That that and the Jet Omero soundtrack by Gabriel Koenig, who's a another local Vancouver right here. That we we did that we did the sound effects for uh, Jet Omero, but Gab Gab, who's the game developer, did the soundtrack, and it's amazing. Wow, it's so good. Yeah, so that that was probably one of my albums of the year last year of any kind. Yeah, that and yeah, Scientific is just he's. Great guy and great composer. Okay, just just gonna make me wonder: just, is there just a big uh, music scene in Vancouver when it comes to games? Or? There's a big indie. There's a big indie scene and in, indie game development scene in Vancouver. Hmm. Probably the biggest in the world, I think. Huh. Pretty pretty awesome here. Um, and we're right next to Seattle too, so that's how I know Scientific. I've got to hang out with him a bunch because we're just kind of sister cities. It's like a three-hour drive, maybe two and a half-hour drive from between the two. Nice. Uh, yeah, so we've got lots of independent developers here. Um, Northway Games, Red Hook Studios, uh, Brace Yourself Games, Clay is here. Um, yeah, there's tons, tons of good studios in Vancouver. Yeah, I should just drive around Vancouver and try to get people interested in an interview. When it came to the newest one, say uh, Full Metal Furies, like how, you said they were in development for four years, so you mm-hmm. just off and on with them during the whole four years while doing other projects. Yeah, basically, I can't. My, I sustainability is really important to me as a business model, so I never work on just one thing at once. Hmm. Um, I've always got several things on the go. We've probably got ten games on the go right Ooh. now. 
um, not 10 soundtracks. I've probably got three or four <laughs> soundtracks right now, but, uh, and, and Wander Song is taking up like 70% of that time. But, uh, so yeah, we're working a lot of things at once. <laughs> Dang. Uh, is there a challenge? Well, there has to be like a challenge of being consistent as far as, cause you're doing so many soundtracks at once. Mm -hmm. It's pretty, I, it's, it's all about palette. The easiest way is to, you set your palette. So you, you say, I'm going to use these instruments for this game. And I'm going to stray away from that as infrequently as I can. And that really helps tie it. Just keep it, give it a sound, you know? So, like, Viking Squad was mandolin, acoustic guitar, electric guitar. I built a drum set out of, uh, in Contact, which is a sampler. It's a software sampler. And my drum kit is, we recorded a bunch of stuff at a sound studio in Vancouver and at home. I'm just like, you know, hitting floors and slamming doors and, and stomping on the ground and uh, a garbage can lid full of bolts and things like that. And so oh. I built a digital drum kit out of that. And that's the only one of the only drum kits in the game is, is that. So that's sort of the that's what keeps that tone nice and constricted. And uh, whereas Full Metal Furies a little bit more broad, but I I just knew it was going to be a lot of guitars because I wanted it to have this rock opera sound. So it was going to have a lot of guitars, crazy guitar harmonies. Um, we're going to use a lot of more traditional drums, but also a chip chip drum stuff on the side. It's a very dense soundtrack with a lot of instruments. So it's mm -hmm. a little, that one that didn't have nearly as tight of a, a parameter as far as palette goes. But, and then Oklos was, there's no guitars in Oklos. Um, but we will use mandolin because it's Greek. We're going to use a lot of uh, digital bazooki and a chip kit, like a chip drum kit only. So you set out these palettes and then you stick to your palettes as close as you can. And that's how you get a soundtrack that sounds like one cohesive thing. Except for Wandersong, which is none of that. Wandersong <laughs> is everything. Um, it's a wandering song after all. Wandersong's going to have about 120 tracks when it's done. Woo! And we're spanning... Dozens of genres. It's going to be crazy. Ooh, you're getting me excited for that. That sounds crazy. Done, well, you just crazy. Done about eighty right now. Yeah. Wow. So it's been exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> I I bet it would be cheap. It's wow. That's that's a mm. lot to get out. Wow. That is, yeah. That is an impressive number. Because I wanted to ask about uh, the halftime show. Because did the sound balancing kill you or not? Like it killed me. <laughs> Oh, I haven't watched it, no. Oh, because in it, it is, it's Justin Timberlake, and the whole thing is he's, mm -hmm. he's holding a mic, and he's just talking away from the mic while he's singing his songs, and it's just, everyone's oh, like, really? what is he singing? It's because he was more focused on the performance, I guess? Yeah, and, that can happen. They might have given him a mic he's not used to as well, um, because mics all have different directionalities, so like this one I've got, this one's got a bunch of different settings on it, ooh. so if I put it to like Omni over here... Then it's like picking up the whole room. You can snap anywhere around it. So it's like a big wow. sphere of what it picks up. Whereas if I click it way over to the other side, now it's now it's pretty, it's very cardioid, which means directional. So if I go over to the side, you can't really hear anything. Huh. So, which is good for things like podcasts, things like dialogue where the person, the person is stereo or stationary. So if they gave him a mic that was like too directional, it would have to be pointed, you know, it's kind of like a flashlight. Um, cool. If it's not pointed in the right direction, then he's not, it's not catching the signal the oh, way it wow. should be. 
So we, we call that we call that being off axis. If you're off huh. axis, then it's muffled and you can't hear it correctly. I should ask you mic questions. That's that's really cool. I didn't. I never. I just it's right in front of me. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Well, most of the streaming mics. So is it one sitting on the floor or using your headset? Uh, it's it's uh, oh or you can't see table, it because I mean. uh you can't see it because of the camera, but it's it's right here, like pop filter. It's a yeah. Samson. It's just aimed at me. Yeah, you just want to point the diaphragm at yourself um, because chances are it is cardioid-ish. The polar pattern is probably like kind of a little mushroom in front of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we should let's end this out. So um, important thing is just something like something for people who are interested in composing or mm-hmm. just doing music, not, not necessarily for games, but in general. Like, mm-hmm. what's the best best advice you could give? Are we talking about professionally or just learning to write some tunes? Um, I'll I'll go with uh one of each. So okay, learn, learning tunes and professionally. Well, professionally, first you need to learn to write tunes. So do the other one first. <laughs> you can't be a professional composer or sound person or anything if you're not good at it. Um, and then. The next step after you can do all that stuff is uh, is that, well, let's, let me take it back. Okay, you want to learn how to write tunes. First, you need to pick yourself a digital audio workstation. You can start with GarageBand if you want um, to just figure out how a linear tracking system works. But then you are going to quickly want to upgrade to something else. And there are tons of them, and they're not, none is really better than the other. I use, I use one called Ableton Live. A lot of friends of mine use one called Logic, which is for Mac only. Uh, there's another one that tons of my friends use called Reaper. Um, and we use that for sound effects, actually. Um, we're a Reaper studio. Uh, you could use Pro Tools, but it's expensive. Um, there's there's a whole bunch of them. Cubase. So you're going to want to pick that. It's a digital audio workstation, or DAW, in the biz. <laughs> And uh, yeah, as long as you have an audio interface and maybe a microphone and a, a MIDI controller, then you're pretty much good to go. You could start working on a cheap laptop if you wanted. Wow. Yeah, it doesn't. You don't. You don't need to spend a lot of money to start making music these days at all. Making music these days is very cheap. You can make like my studio is not a very expensive studio, and none of this stuff in here is absolutely necessary, really. Um. Like my monitor speakers, I would be a lot worse without them, but I was professional without them as well. You know, I was getting paid to do things before I had monitor speakers or before I had a 10 input interface or any of that, you know? Wow. So once you've got that and you can start making music with that stuff, then you can be like, hey, I'm a professional. People are going to pay me. Uh, Then the most important thing you can do is become a familiar face. And you can do that by physically going to conventions, uh, just being active on social media, not being pushy, but, you know, you want to be, you just want to get to know people that are already in the scene. And uh, my rule of thumb is you don't have to be the best sound designer and or composer that people know if you're the only one they know. (laughs) So if you've met a bunch of developers and they know what and they know you do what you do and they're like, hey, I need X. And the only person I know that does X is is uh, is Jen over here. Then Jen gets the gig, probably. So, and 
I do a whole podcast on this stuff as well. I do a podcast called Beards, Cats, and Indie Game Audio with Matt Martinson, who's the one of the sound designers at Clay Entertainment. We've been doing it for over three years. So anyone that wants to get into sound design or composing for games should definitely games should definitely listen to that because we've been telling people how to do it for three years now. And a lot of people have gotten jobs, I think, according to some of the advice we've given, at least. Um, So there's tons of resources there. Um, You can hit me up on Twitter if you're interested or if you have if you have questions that are not Googleable, you can hit me up on Twitter. Google your stuff first. <laughs> don't don't just tweet at me and say, "How do I get to be get into game <laughs> audio?" Because that one you can ask to Google. Uh, try to be a little more specific. <laughs> I won't. I won't. I will tell you to Google that. Good stuff. We will. Uh, we'll uh, put the podcast uh, link in the description. We'll also put your Twitter in the description as well. Sure. For anyone interested in that, uh, anything you want to plug before we head out? Uh, Full Metal Fury's album just appeared on Spotify today, I think. Ooh. So, yeah, follow me on Spotify. I'm trying to push that lately. I love Bandcamp, but I also want to get some Spotify followers just in case Bandcamp goes to the wayside, which Ooh. Bandcamp doesn't think will happen. Um, and I hope won't happen, but you're not, you never know. So, uh, and what different places can your podcast be found? Uh, it's on Podbean. I think it's on all the places. Pretty sure it's on iTunes and everything. And so it was Beards, Cats, and Indie Game Audio. All right. Uh, we'll yeah. probably we'll put the Podbean, and people can always go from there. It seems like the simplest way to go about it. So sure. this has been basically a podcast with a shell in the pit, a really good time, great guest. Uh, this was fascinating, very fascinating. I really enjoyed this. I wish I had more questions. This is very interesting. Cool. We'll be trying to get a hold of M. I'm not going to try to do her last name, but we'll try to get a hold of M for the future. Halberstadt. Halberstadt. Yeah. Because yeah. you're saying she sounded, so she'd be like really good for sound effects questions. Yes. Yeah, she's good. That is so really she's, fascinating. She did a, she's doing a talk at GDC for the sound she did at Night in the Woods that um, everyone's looking forward to on the team. Because um, she did a, First version of it at uh, the Full Indie Summit talks in Vancouver here, and it was fantastic. So um, we're really looking forward to that. I'm really proud of the work that she did on that game and is doing on all the games that she touches. Everything she touches turns to gold. So nice. we're happy to have her. So I'll try to get a hold of her for March and April. So everyone, I look forward to that, unless I totally blow asking her for the podcast. But there you go. This has been basically a podcast. I had, we had, I had fun. Uh, doing this. Hope you have fun watching and listening. And that's what's up, Bazin. Having fun. Thanks again. Bye. See you next time. And thank you again to uh, Gordon from Michelle in the Pit. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks.